0: No music, remember? Music goes in after.
1: Remember? Okay.
0: I mean, it's been like three weeks of this. Oh.
1: Behind home plate, we bringing it to a more day. day. You know what's up? Welcome to Birdland. When the news, we bringing it to you always. always. You know what's up? Welcome to Birdland. Orange or black, we rebuild the pack. No matter where we at, you know we coming back. Section 336, we on this, so tune in. tune in. You know what's up? Welcome to Birdland. Yeah, yeah, welcome to Birdland, you know what's up, welcome to Birdland. Birdland, Now, here come the boys from Section 336. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Baltimore sports fans of all ages, welcome to Section 336, Next Generation of Baltimore Sports Talk. I am your endearingly stuttering host, Matt Sproka. As always, I'm joined by a guy who's never been late because he had to get his car washed because he's never washed his car before, the button-lover Josh Stroka.
0: We are also a set of brothers that didn't do the other stuff that Earl Thomas had issues with this offseason. That's true. Uh, so Josh, I'm glad you went the car wash route.
1: Yeah, but, the, well, they said, I mean, I think he was uh, released less because the of the offseason thing, actually, and more because the late thing.
0: Well, and obviously something going on that when it's the players that make the decision that they don't want you, there's an issue.
1: Josh, what is, like, the most bogus reason you've had for being late to something?
0: Oh, um, uh, see, I'm not really a person who's late. I don't run late mm-hmm. to things.
1: I run late a lot.
0: so you know, I know. You're never on time. Yeah. And somehow you beat me on the squad cast today.
1: Yeah, I've been here since, like, 7.5. <laughs> well, you know why? Because I, I, I don't have the kids today. Um, oh, so okay. I'm home alone tonight.
0: Oh, you should have told me. We would have recorded at, like, 6 o'clock.
1: Yeah, we well, I couldn't have. I was mowing the grass then, um, but no, I'm I'm living it up. I ate out tonight because it was just me. I went out somewhere fancy, a place called Wawa, and got a sub. so yeah. I'm living up couple, tonight.
0: Yeah, a couple of weeks ago, Mandy and the girls were away for like two weeks, and I pretty much ate out every time. It was like that, and then I got uh, freezer meals.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm I'm loving. It. I'm looking forward to sleeping uh, sleeping in tomorrow. You know, I've been getting up at five thirty. AM, just because I can't stand when my little kid Silas wakes me up. And he always gets up at six, and that feeling of him coming in saying, you know, ch- he always wants, like, to wear clothes. He wants to get out of his pajamas. Change me. Let's go downstairs. Just whiny. That's the worst thing to wake up to ever. So, so I wake up at 530 just so he won't wake me up.
0: And do you go hide, like, under his bed so you get to scare him instead of him scaring you?
1: No, but he knows, like, when he gets out of bed and I'm already up, it ticks him off. Because he knows it gets under my skin that he wake- gets to wake me up. So, so he's it. like, Dad, why, why are you all the way up? You should be sleeping still. I said, no, son, I'm awake. Take that.
0: So it's a little competition between you two.
1: Yeah. So he's probably going to start trying to get up earlier to to match me.
0: I see. I see. Hey, uh, speaking of competition, I made a mistake this year. It's not a mistake, but it's just something that I normally won't do. Yeah. Which is I signed up for multiple fantasy football drafts. Oh. Yeah. I, and normally, I don't do that. I do the one with you, that you and I have been in for like it, probably 20 years. It
1: gets real complicated when you start out. It's way too
0: complicated. But yeah. I decided, hey, I'm going to get to know people in Florida. So I joined one with some people from work, and I joined one with men in the neighborhood.
1: Uh, so and Josh, I'm so thrilled because cause are you playing? Are there other Raven fans you're playing against? No. So Josh no. Price super pumped that's, that Lamar Jackson sitting there in round two. Josh is like, if, this, if I was playing in our league, you have to take him with the number one overall pick. But now you can wait to round two, right. or even probably round three all to right. get Lamar you, Jackson. You
0: are, you are reading my mind. That is the direction <laughs> I'm going with this. Is my first draft is tonight. It's in 22 minutes. I'm going to be doing it during the podcast because I forgot about it. And my question is, there's twofold. This league is a keeper league. Mm. But, I, but it's, a new, it's a new draft. Like, everyone's starting over, but it's going to be keeper from now on. So, is Lamar Jackson a number one overall pick? I have the number two overall pick. So, is Lamar Jackson worthy of grabbing that? Or do I risk it because I am in Florida where nobody knows... Like, or at least no one's not a fan of the Ravens, but everyone knows he was the MVP last year. He's on the cover of Madden. But are people going to still go the traditional running back route, round one? What do you think?
1: Yeah, I, I don't know how keeper leagues, how that affects drafts. Like, I assume you draft younger players, but in, in, a, in a normal fancy draft, you always go after running backs first, then wide receivers and right. quarterbacks. I don't know if that changes in a keeper league because running backs have shorter shelf life than maybe yeah. a, a quarterback. Um, so but I don't that's... know if the keeper thing throws me off a little bit. In a normal yeah. draft, no one's taking Lamar Jackson in the first round. You could wait till the second round. Um, right. I mean, yeah. and, and honestly, well,
0: see, I'm number two. So if I wait till the second round, that's going to be like number eighteen overall. Yeah. Or nineteen overall.
1: Yeah, I, mean, I think like. Value wise, Lamar Jackson should never be taking note number two overall. There's too many. I mean, you get Saquon Barkley probably with that pick because I assume Christian McCaffrey will go one. But so value wouldn't make sense. But you're going to have a hard time being in a fantasy league without Lamar Jackson or team Josh. So you might just have to go make the leap. (laughs) Lamar, see, but I'm trying to figure out
0: if it's the Florida thing. If because I'm in a league with a bunch of people in Florida that don't know me that well. If I can sneak Lamar Jackson and grab him in round two, round three, late in the game.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the keeper think thing throws me off a little bit. In any normal situation, yes. Because right. even like, like I bet Patrick Mahomes probably goes off the board before Lamar Jackson because he's a better quarterback. It's um, certainly not in your eyes, but in everyone else's eyes.
0: Yeah, I mean, and and down here, Tom Brady might go quick because of the Tampa effect. Yeah, I'm not too far from Tampa. Um, I don't remember who's the guy from Jacksonville with the mustache. I don't think he'll be taken early. Yeah.
1: Minshew. Um, Minshew. Yeah.
0: But I'm 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 uh, I'm uh, kind of concerned. Let's see.
1: Well, it's exciting now start- to be a, a Ravens fan for fantasy drafts because for a long time. There was – Justin Tucker was the only person you would take in a, ra- in a fantasy draft if you were a Ravens right. fan. Like so now it's exciting I, that we have some players to choose I, from.
0: I think I'm going to just do it and take – because I don't know how a keeper league works.
1: Yeah, everyone's going to make I fun of you, but go for it.
0: Everyone's going to make fun of me, but I think I'm going to lock that quarterback down long term. The yeah. way hopefully the Ravens do one day with Lamar.
1: Yeah. Um, and then take uh, Marquise Brown with your second pick. I mean um, – Justice Hill with your third pick. Uh, or no, no, Mark I, Andrews with your third pick. Don't worry, I'm going to
0: grab Dobbins as a oh, late guy. Oh, yeah, Dobbins uh, a late, will be your fifth pick. Yeah, That'll yeah. be one of my late picks. Oh, a keeper, uh, sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, the keeper thing has thrown me off, and playing with a bunch of random people is throwing me off. But yeah. my team on there is the 3 3 sixers ers and I realize no one in my league knows what that means.
1: Is this an in-person <laughs>
0: draft? Uh, it was an optional in person, but I am doing it not in person because it starts in 19 minutes. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I'm gonna be doing it.
1: Drafting, drafting doing the podcast? podcast. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah the <laughs> I like I like the in person or home option. I'm I've gone back to work teaching, and they gave us the option: we can telework or we can go back in the building. And of course, I went back in the building. Did and, You? Oh, absolutely. Oh, you're to get away me? from the kids. Yeah. Yes, I've been stuck in this house. With the wife and kids for however many months? I was shocked that every other teacher was not in the building. Do like people actually like their families? Do people? It must be people without or wife older and kids.
0: kids, or a dedicated office. Like I, I work from home a lot, and I can get away with it because uh, I've got these two big double doors that close my office.
1: Yeah, I, I have no dedicated
0: space. Right. Then now I do have glass doors, so they'll come and put their faces up to the glass sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but uh, they will stay away when I'm on the phone calls. Yeah. So, no, I'm, um, I'm in
1: the office. I can't. Gotcha.
0: Uh, yeah, I get that. Um, you and it, see, it was amazing now, to
1: sit at my desk for eight hours and not have any kind of distractions or noises.
0: Right. right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So are they giving you like a special like ca- camera to, for your classroom so you can use the chalkboard and all, or do you have to just do it like you were at home? Just do do it like at I, was, I
1: mean, I'm going to put my laptop up and use the whiteboard a little bit. But gotcha. it's weird. It's weird because even go, going at school, like, all those normal interactions that you would have at work, I don't know how to do them anymore. Like, you, everyone used to eat lunch at a certain area. Like, is it still okay to eat lunch? Do we, like, eat lunch across the room? Like, how does this right. all work? I'm still very uncomfortable with this whole situation, still feeling I, myself out. The,
0: the six feet thing always makes me laugh because six feet is not far at all. Yeah. But everyone acts like you got to be far away. Yeah. And it's like I don't think normal people understand that six feet is like not you stick your two arms out. The room of it, yeah. Exactly. It's not. It's not. Yeah, two across the room. It's yeah. like basically, it's like the old uh, "make room for Jesus" thing. Yeah. And then you just need one seat between you, and that will cover your six feet most of the time.
1: Yeah, but it's true. Like even like people come to my door at my classroom, and there must be like I don't know twenty feet. Between the door and my classroom, <laughs> right. but they'll like barely poke their head, They're, like afraid to go in. Yeah, oh, man. It's, it's just, it's funny. Yeah.
0: Hey, I got, the, I got the COVID test too. You mean you got the results? Yeah, yeah. We talked uh, last week, I guess not on the podcast. We talked yeah. Saturday, and you said you had to take a COVID test. Did you get your results? You were waiting on it.
1: Yes, it did not go well. Um, the results were inconclusive. Oh, that. <laughs>
0: So, you have to do it. You know what that means? That means you failed as a test taker. I, it's dumb, Josh. It's dumb.
1: You did not stick the thing up they, your nose
0: far enough.
1: I, I know. I, st- I, I stuck it up. It hit my brain. Mm-hmm. No. You they, did you tickle your brain? I tickled my brain. No, <laughs> you did not tickle your brain. This whole system is screwed up. They had this lady come out in a full. Freaking hazmat suit, not okay. Maybe not hazmat, but she's got the, got the uh, face shield with the mask. She's got a gown on, and all she does is like knock on your window, hand you a bag, and like walk away. Like that's, and then you open up the bag, and there's like instructions on how to give yourself the COVID test. But like the instructions, it's like. You know, the instructions are faded away. It was done on this poor ink printer, so the pictures are faded away. Can you see the pictures? The words are half there. So I'm trying to interpret it what. Like I, I, I called her back and I was like, I was like, "Excuse me, ma'am. Like how far am I supposed to stick this Q-tip up my nose?" And she said, "Just you know, where your first pinky bends? Think of my first pinky bends. That's I mean, not very that's far. Like, yeah, it's like half an inch. Uh, did she have like I, super long? Like, no, I said, do pinkies. you see my pinky? Like I have, maybe I have abnormally small first pinky bends. Um, and then I don't know what that even means. Like I'm holding my pinky bend up to my nose. Like is that how far the Q-tip goes? Or Like it's just, I, I don't know. I, don't, I'm, I, I'm, I think I didn't, I stuck it far enough up. I think I didn't, you know, rub it on the sides of the nostril enough. I didn't get enough stuff on there on the sides of the nostril. So anyway... The pressure's on because I have to have a you know a test on record, a negative test on record, before I can go back and teach. And my first day of teaching at Salisbury is Wednesday, and I, I take the test again on Thursday. So if I, if I mess up again, I, I can't go back and teach. So I'm going to be sticking that thing on every – I'm going to stick it so far up my nose. I'm going to lose the Q-tip. And I have to pull it back. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it up both noses for an hour. I'm going to swab my Q-tip on every orifice possible in my body to make sure they can get some kind of results there. Because yeah. I, I got it. You ask them to shove it up for you. Yeah. I couldn't believe that they, like, she's the professional all suited up and she just hands me the bag. You know what you bed.
0: should do? Get the blood test done. Because the blood test you can't do yourself.
1: Yeah. Well, the problem is the Q-tip test is five minutes up the road.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. Um, yeah, okay, I understand that. I did the Q-tip test also, but the nurse shoved it up my nose, not. Uh,
1: half an inch, or did she go way up? Because there's the half an inch one, and then there's the one that goes up and like it touches oh, your brain. No, she
0: tickled my brain. Oh, see, this that, one does. It was
1: tickle, weird. So Mandy and I
0: got it done at the same time, and I went, and the nurse shoved that, shoved it like six inches up my nose. Yeah,
1: this is supposed and, to be half an inch. That's different. Six inches more than first pinky bend.
0: Yeah, and a different nurse did Mandy, and she barely put it in. Yeah. So, um,
1: yeah, I don't know. It's and then it's like rude. it's you get the bag and you get the container to put the Q-tip in and the packaging from the Q-tip and the instructions and all of this just like laying on my lap. And then like I turned my car off and I was like sweating. It was just a very uncomfortable situation, and now I have to go back uh, tomorrow and do it again. Hopefully, it up. better results. And I screwed it up. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's
0: the thing. If the test is so important, why isn't someone else doing it? You oh, well, and don't go and like get your whatever cancer screening and they tell you to screen yourself. I guess they do tell you to keep an eye on it, but like doctors always do this stuff. You never have to do lab work yourself, I don't think, unless yeah. it's like peeing a cup. They allow you to do that on your own.
1: Yeah, and then you wonder why there's so many of these maybe uh, inaccuracies in the tests. Well, shoot. Or, <laughs> Give yeah. it yourself. Well, and why, what stops you from having, like,
0: Emily in the car with you and you swipe her nose and to put that in so that you'll pass even though you have the coronavirus?
1: Yeah. I mean, I guess they assume people, are, people aren't that nefarious. Like, it's not like they won't hire me if I have a, a positive coronavirus test. I just have to work from home. <laughs> okay. I know. So maybe I should swap with someone who's positive so I can work from home. But you don't want to know. They already said you can work from home. You don't want to work from home. you're right. I don't want to work from home. We've been over this.
0: They should say if you are positive, then you have to come and do it at school because nobody else is there.
1: Yeah, seriously.
0: So um, it's been a uh, tough week for the Orioles. We said last week, we said we would learn a lot about this team, and we said that uh, we would – also that they would pass your projected win total by this past week. And I don't know if any of that happened.
1: No, I mean, they're still at 14 wins. They had split against Boston, but but actually, I'm left, Josh, and this might be a little bit counter counterintuitive, but I was just, the more I think about it, the more optimistic I get about this team after this week. Last week, we were talking about playoffs and stuff. like I brushed it off as, yeah, impossible. But after watching another week, and I know we struggled a little bit, for several reasons, I'm kind of more optimistic. And this is turning into, very quickly, like a two-man, a two-team race uh, between the, the Blue Jays and the Orioles. And we'll see if any other teams get into it. But clearly, you have division leaders in each of the divisions. And then you have the White Sox playing really good ball with that first wild card after the two um, division leaders. And then the Orioles and Blue Jays are kind of fighting it out for that that next spot right now. And I'm getting nervous, Josh. I'm getting nervous. I think I I shared this on Twitter that the worst possible outcome for this Orioles season would be it to end how it is right now. Where we have the 14th best record in baseball. The top 16 teams make the playoffs. We have the 14th best record. But we would not make the playoffs. And so... It would right. be a, a, a bad draft pick, right? We'd be drafting uh, number 16 if they b- based it off just this season. We don't know that yet. And we would not make the playoffs. So I'm concerned that we're going to continue to play like this. We'll finish a few games under five hundred, and we'll get a terrible draft pick and not make the playoffs. That's yeah. what I'm concerned about now.
0: Yeah, no, and that is the worst-case scenario is that we just missed the playoffs. That is the worst case. Um, I will say, this was a rough week because the Orioles had an opportunity to really make some room before they got to deal with the Yankees. But, I, but then the more I reflected and looked back at it today and kind of preparing for this, I was wondering, how much do you think this week was affected by the fact that the Orioles at the very end of the previous week really got hit hard with the injury bug? With losing Iglesias, with losing Hayes. Um, having to deal with Dwight Dwight Smith Jr lost two games on his own for us.
1: Oh, oh, yeah. I mean, you were, we talked about this when and I don't know if it was on the podcast or just outside no, of it. No, it wasn't on the podcast. But but if you looked at the bottom of our lineup when you had um and I know Vallejo hit some home runs in there, but still, you had averages like, you know, guys batting 100 when you had Vallejo in there, Ruiz batting averages dropped down to 200. and you had um um, uh, Velasquez in there, who, who's been struggling offensively, and yet Halliday in there. I think one of those games, like if you just looked at the batting average for like a, and you had Dwight Smith in there for like a yep. six, seven, eight, nine hitters. When you take out Hayes, and you take out Englésius, um, and before Mountcastle got here, like it was looking like a bad rota- a bad starting lineup. Yeah. But Josh, the reason now I'm kind of more optimistic is now I'm looking. I see Mountcastle in there. I see. Um, uh, Cedric Mullins hitting really well, playing better than anyone thought he'd be playing. Yeah. And, and all of a sudden, I mean, Ruiz the other night had, had you know uh, a couple of doubles and some RBIs. But it, right, but it took we had
0: to wait out, and it took the Orioles losing that week for the Orioles to make some of these moves, for them to finally get rid of Dwight Smith, for them to bring up Ryan Mountcastle. Um, Mountcastle has been very impressive with his uh, approach at the plate. I did not expect him to be a patient guy who's getting walks and getting on base.
1: Yeah, like, yeah. And, I, I mean, I don't think he's, he was notorious, right, for not walking. And he's, he, he walked three times in his first three games. And I don't think he's going to walk 162 guy, times in a 162-game season. Right. But because he still, like, swings the bat. But, 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 but he doesn't swing it. Not, he's not Hans Alberto, up there, swinging a ball two, 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 two feet above his head. But I really like I like his swing. Like he swings aggressively. Like he doesn't get cheated in some of those hacks. It's, it was ironic, right, that he walked so many times. It's ironic that his first hit was just like a dribbler to third base, because when he swings, like he swings hard. Yes. Um. And so yeah, I've been impressed with his approach. I like his swing. And listen, he's, he's been putting up numbers, right? He's he's gotten a hit. I mean, he's hit 357 right now. He's walked a bunch of times. So he's played really well, um, and Josh, the anticipation for Matt Castle was kind of ridiculous, right? How the response? I mean, this is not a top 100 prospect. This is, I think, our fifth top prospect. Right. And people were acting like uh, he was the. Like it was Matt the Wieders. Wieders. Yeah. Yeah.
0: This isn't Matt Weiders. This isn't Manny Machado. Doesn't mean it's. It's missed, not Asley Rushman. Right. Right. I mean, it doesn't mean it's like. It's not a knock against Mountcastle or something. It's just kind of stating where things are.
1: Yeah, and something to watch closely too is his playing left field, right? Because Ryan Mountcastle does not have a, he's a player without a position, um, and they're trying him out of left field. Um, I he's he didn't strike me as bad or good in left field. I don't know, but I guess that's good that I haven't no, no, really noticed him in left field. Um, but that's something yeah. to watch his playing left field. Um, and I don't know if he'll stick there. He might move back to first base. I guess right now it's it's kind of between um, Trey Mancini and Ryan Mancastle for, for who can be a left fielder and the other one to go to first base next year, I guess. I think that might be how it works out. Yeah, well... Then that means we got to talk about Chris we Davis. We don't, Josh. We don't. No,
0: no, no. Because I want to know.
1: Okay. Josh, if you want to talk more about Chris Davis, just look to, to Josh's daily podcast. Or, like, like I, or what, I, what I like to talk, call it, Chris Davis Talk. I only uh, talked about Davis once. Uh, twice, I, I think. As, okay.
0: No, I think one was Dwight Smith and one was Chris Davis. All right, fine. Focus. Last week. But you had to. Those were the two guys that downwired the Orioles. Uh, Davis to an IL. And my question for you is, do you think Davis... Plays for the Orioles again this year.
1: Oh, I think he's forever done. I think we've seen him play his last at-bat for the bottom do you, of Orioles. Do you really? I really do. I think he's done.
0: I think it depends on what the Orioles do over the next few weeks. I think if they're uh, a crap team, you might give Davis one more chance. There's no. If you're winning games, there's no point in bringing Davis back up.
1: I, I mean... Yeah, I think I think I think um, Hyde wants to win. I think Ryan Matkowsk will be being brought up. Um, I, I know he's not playing first base, but it kind of eliminates that spot. And next year, Ryan Matkowsk will start the season for next year. Yes. And I hope maybe Trey Mancini will too.
0: Right, and you hope he, that one of them's at first base. Yes. That's not
1: your left and right
0: fielder, but it could be your left fielder and your DH.
1: Well, then, what do you do with Renato Nunez? Like, I think uh, all those options...
0: Uh, that's true. And he, Nunez has been playing first base and filling in there, but you'd rather see Mancini or someone there, yeah.
1: Yeah, but all those options, Nunez, Mountcastle, Ch- mancini they're all better options than Chris Davis.
0: I will say this season also gives me hope that next season will be fun for this team.
1: Yes. That, that
0: this season is showing that last season really was rock bottom, and we're on the, we're on the way up.
1: Yeah, I mean, Ryan Mountcastle is a big deal because he is a highly-touted prospect that is now at the majors. He's worked his way up, and he's now at the majors. Um, and so that's kind of a big deal because there's not many players on our team right now who were highly-touted prospects. Right. I mean, Austin Hayes, but now he's injured. Uh, but that's, that's kind of it.
0: What about Keegan Aiken? Is he right. touted? How, where's he at?
1: Yeah, let's talk about Keegan Aiken a little bit uh, because Keegan Aiken... Uh, I think we're a little bit – I think Oral fans are, are not as high on him as everybody else, including manager Hyde is. And my reason for saying this, first of all, Keegan Aikens ranked 13th in our top 30 prospects. So guys ahead of him are pitchers at the buoy site like Michael Bauman and Dean Kramer. Okay. Other guys at the, at the buoy site like Yusniel Diaz is ranked higher than him. Um, other pitchers like Zach Lothar is ranked higher than him. So he's right. 14th. So he's not even – like Ryan McElroy was top five was a five guy, yeah. but he's 14. So he's not one of our top pitchers. And I don't know if you saw the quotes from manager Hyde about Keegan Aiken. Did, did, did you see these quotes, Josh? I did not. Why don't you share them? Yeah. So he says, here's what Hyde said about Aiken being brought up again because he, 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 you know, he's been brought back up to the major League squad. And his role with the Orioles, he said, this Hyde, for us right now, Keegan fits in our bullpen the best. And then he right. said, "This I might not even use him as a as a long guy. I might use him as a one inning guy. Uh, but I think that long. But I but I think that long term is he a rotation piece? Is he a long guy? I think that's something we will find out. But at the, at the moment right now, I'm going to try to win games and utilize Keegan the best way we can." And so what he's saying there, Josh, end quote, what he's saying there is he's going to put him in one inning pitching situations. Well,
0: because he's been with the team. He's been with the team for a, over a week now, and he's put him in one game.
1: Yeah. He's not so, going to put him in high leverage situations. Right. And he's not going to have him start. And think about this. So he's a mop-up. Yeah, well, yeah. So what Hyde's saying is he would rather have Wojciechowski – Start games than Keegan Aiken. He would rather have freaking Eshelman start games or the new guy Lopez start games over. He'd rather John Means throw anything over Keegan Aiken. So, manager Hyde does not think Keegan Aiken is is as good as I think a lot of Oriole fans think he is. Do you think it's that,
0: or do you think it's a. Hyde doesn't know Aiken. he knows and he's gone to battle with all these other guys and he trusts these other guys and Aiken hasn't earned his trust yet.
1: Hey, it, it doesn't, he doesn't know Ryan Mountcastle, but he's playing him batting six every day in left field. Yeah, well that's kind of
0: because he knows Dwight Smith and he had to get rid of him.
1: Well, he knows Wojciechowski.
0: I he, guess. Okay. He
1: knows um, Lopez.
0: Alright, alright. So you think did we get sucked into Aiken through the Duquette error? And maybe he's not that good?
1: No, 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 no. I are think you we, saying
0: I got, we are just too excited for rookies right now?
1: Yeah, I think we're too excited for rookies. I, I got in some trouble on Twitter. I don't know if you saw this, Josh. I said... Uh, I said that Oriol fans way too into broadcasters, way too into comment on broadcasters. Oh, I got some thoughts on the broadcasters. All yeah. the tweets about broadcasters, and I don't yeah. mind. Like, I have an opinion about broadcasters. I have my preferences. Everyone right. does. I think it's funny that half, literally half the tweets I was reading were commentaries on like how awesome Kevin Brown was. Which is fine. It's just I find it funny, and like people kind of crushed me for that comment. But I think one of the reasons people love Kevin Brown so much, and by the way, I was saying good things about Kevin Brown last year when you guys didn't know who Kevin Brown was. Not that Kevin Brown, the Kevin Brown the announcer. But but um, but he was replacing or he was going after Scott Garceau. And Scott Garceau yes. struggled a little bit. So I think mm. one of the reasons also we're super into Keegan Aiken is because we've been watching Wade LeBlanc for a while. Yes. And we've watching other starters really struggle and so now like Keegan Aiken so you're is young saying, and just
0: you're saying that let's see let's see uh let's see Kevin Brown come right after Gary Thorne let's not put this Scott Garceau character in the middle who yeah. we
1: all love
0: but clearly know he's not the best at this
1: oh and watch yourself Kevin Brown lovers because Gary Thorne is reading those tweets watch yourself yeah. <laughs> You're going to feel Gary, real foolish when uh-huh. they why don't do, bring Gary Thorne back next year because he's been replaced by Kevin Brown. You'll be feeling you real think, silly then.
0: Uh huh. I think Gary Thorne was feeling real silly when he quickly renegotiated his deal and got back in.
1: Yeah, he was looking pretty good with Scott Garceau at the helm. Then all of a sudden, yeah. Kevin Brown goes Kevin down there. All, Brown, all of a sudden, hold on, we got to get back to the ne- ne- negotiating table.
0: Uh, right. Kevin Brown and uh, Ben McDonald, that broadcast was almost as good as Thorne and Palmer. Yeah. It was enjoyable. Uh, Breaking news, I restrained myself and took uh, Saquon Barkley.
1: That was two a overall. smart decision.
0: So uh, so now you cross your
1: fingers hoping. Yeah,
0: did did yeah, McCaffrey yeah. go first? Yeah, McCaffrey went first. Okay. Or I would have taken him.
1: Okay.
0: So, But round two, I won't be able to constrain myself anymore.
1: I, th- I, th- I think you've showed enough self-constraint. Josh, go, go all Ravens heavy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you, you but, got uh, one legit pick in there. But I think that's also...
0: It's kind of as Orioles. It's also we've been like just trained of just rookies will change will change this. Bring up the cavalry and things will change. That didn't work. Then we got bring up Wheaters, He's the savior. This team will turn around. Bring up Machado. Machado will turn this team around. So now we're into our next the next generation the con of guys and it's like we're looking bring Mountcastle, bring Akins up, uh, bring Diaz up. Let's get these guys up here because things are going to turn around. And I think, as fun as things are right now, it's kind of, this might be the only time, sure, when Weathers and Machado came up, they did, they did win. But this may be the only time where we can really look to the minors and count 10 guys coming up and saying, that group of guys really are going to change this organization.
1: Oh, absolutely. And here's a reminder with Keegan Aiken. I'm going to be clear about this. There are five five current Oriole prospect starting pitchers that are ranked higher than him. So we have five starting pitchers that are ranked higher than Keegan Aiken. Um, So I know we're excited about Keegan Aiken, but like there's five pitchers who are projected to be better starters than Keegan Aiken is. So don't stress if um, Hyde doesn't use Keegan Aiken as a starter, or if he doesn't turn out to be a starter in the end. Because we have... I get five other starting prospects, starting pitcher prospects, who rank higher than Keegan Aiken.
0: Yeah. And uh, by the way, if you're working on your fantasy draft, Lamar Jackson just went number four overall. Mm. To screw up my plan of trying to get him at number whatever I said eighteen. Yeah,
1: Josh would be uh, on the website around eleven, offering Saquon Barkley for Lamar Jackson.
0: <laughs> uh, maybe so. We'll see how the rest of the night goes with that.
1: Yeah. But uh, yeah,
0: it's. So it's kind of, I don't know. I'm, how much does this win and lose in uncertainty right now affect the Orioles' ability to trade guys? Yeah, this Elias is- says he'll listen to anyone. Oh, but
1: I, I think that quote as not Elias will listen to anyone. I think that quotes, I'm talking about the Elias quotes, I don't have them in front of me, but Elias talks about if we get someone who we feel. If they offer fair, how, yes. you know, whatever, fair value for how we view our guy, he'll, he'll pull the trigger. Uh, I took that as um, Elias is actively trying to trade every single person yeah. on the roster. That's yeah. how I took that.
0: And that's what he should be doing. He should be saying, I'll trade anyone. Any, I thought all this was always a joke. Even in the great years of Manny Machado, there was still a price tag for Manny Machado. You should right. always listen.
1: But we weren't actively trying to trade Manny Machado. What I'm saying, Josh, is I think they're, he's actively trying to trade. Well, he's actively trying to trade Cobb and Gibbons and Nunez. And and Severino and Alberto. Yeah. And pretty much everyone. Mountcastle. Not named Mountcastle, who is currently on our team.
0: Right. Yeah. See, the uh, Angels are trying to market Dylan Bundy. I think the Orioles should bring him back. <laughs> I, I just brought that up to irritate you.
1: No, I'm not even irritated, Josh. You saw uh, who's the guy who threw a no-hitter yesterday, Gialito G- 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 or whatever?
0: Yeah.
1: I mean, he's a guy who the Nationals gave up on. The Nats gave up on him, had one of the worst ERAs in baseball with the Nats, gave up on him, Trade him for Adam Eaton, and he's out there throwing no-hitters. This This idea that we're the only franchise who trades a player or gets rid of a player and they become good— is nonsensical. And by the way, yes. I'm not a believer that Dylan Bundy is going to pitch like this the the entire uh, his entire career. Like, uh, I'm I'm not I'm not sold on Dylan on this the new Dylan Bundy. I uh, we went to he went leaving from Canyon Yards, going to the Angels. That's going to give a little boost to anyone's ERA. Um, and I know I'm not I, I I would not trade back for Dylan Bundy. He wouldn't be part of the future anyway. Um, and and frankly. Um I hope the Angels don't trade him because I think he's doing well with the Angels and I I really want like like all oral, like all baseball fans in the world I want the Angels to win a little bit. I'm tired of them being so terrible having the best right. player in the planet. We
0: want Mike Trout to win a World Series.
1: Yeah, I want to watch Mike Trout in the playoffs. I want to see him in the World Series. So freaking Angels like and I feel like they 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 spend money and they get good players. I don't know why the Angels
0: are always terrible, but I'm annoyed with the Angels. Makes sense. Um, did you see, speaking of other teams, yesterday, a uh, friend of the show, Jonah Heim, yes, got so to cool. make his major league debut and get a hit for the Oakland A's. Yeah. So for long-time 336ers, you'll remember Jonah's whole family was listen, would listen, and we'd have Jonah's grandmother send us notes and stuff. And uh, I was able to reach out to his dad yesterday and congratulate him. Yeah, his, his dad.
1: Uh, so. follows, you got to follow his dad on Twitter. Twitter. Follow James Heim. On Twitter? On Twitter. Um, that's, that's kind of this new dark, dark net Twitter. No, no, you got to follow James Heim on Twitter because he was just through the, through, through the moon about it. As um, he should be. Yeah, and just very cool. As I mean, I know, but we don't get that experience often of like the dad's experience yeah. of their kid bringing to the pros. Uh, it's just re- just really cool. So so great for the Heim family. Um, I
0: remember years ago meeting the dad, and he, one of the first things he did was show me his, his Orioles tattoo. Yeah. And I said, why do you have an Orioles tattoo? You guys were Yankee. You guys are like Yankee fans. And he and his response was, now he says, you draft my son, and I'm your I'm a fan of yours for life. I, Dan Duquette will always be the greatest person I've ever met. Because he drafted my son into Major League Baseball, mm. just a really cool guy.
1: Yeah, and then he had a bunch of great things to say about the Athletics too, right? Yes. He traded for his son, so like he is a bandwagon fan, going wherever his son goes. No, he's
0: not a bandwagon fan. He has a price, and you can buy his love, or trade you can for buy it. his love. You can tra- trade for his fandom if you give his son a shot. Uh, you're his. Yeah, he's yours.
1: Seth. So that, yeah, that's a great story. Happy for him. Um, yeah, it's great. Friend of the show, Joe
0: DeHaim. Yeah. yeah, very cool. I was like, oh, finally a minor leaguer that uh, we befriend and have on the show makes it in a debut and actually does pretty good. Yeah. Then we've had we've had too many flame out over the years.
1: Well, I mean, it just it it's just more evidence. It's really hard. This game is really so freaking hard, and it's amazing, and and that's why like I'm still like I think the the subject is turning into a really cool story. Because this guy was, last year, remember, demoted to AAA, then demoted to Bowie. Like, he was just off the, uh, I don't want to say a reservation. That's not appropriate to say anymore. But he was Trick. like, yeah, he was He was just like, kind of like not on the radar of the world anymore. And then, like, he starts out the year, and then with Austin Hayes coming, he kind of gets, you know, thrown on the back burner again. And now Austin Hayes gets hurt, and all of a sudden, he's making great plays in the outfield, um uh, he's he's hitting really well, so it's great for Sitrick Mullins and good for our team because if you think about a fourth outfielder, you want a fourth outfielder who's great defensively, who can run, who can bunt occasionally. I love Citrick Mullins button, who can steal bases. Yeah. And like he seems to be, if he can play like this, kind of the perfect fourth outfielder. Um if i if i man Austin Hayes can just stay healthy. Um, especially when you got corner outfielders like Santander. And and Mountcastle, who maybe a little subpar in the outfield, it's great to have that great defensive fourth outfielder. So uh, I think it's great for him and great for this organization that Turgic that Mullins has played so well. I think that's turning into a big story. I hope he can keep it up.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um, I'm also excited that I see that Hunter Harvey's been traveling with the team, and that's another guy where I feel like I, we just got to get him in the bullpen, get this arm going, and a guy who can hopefully be part of this future, but again, a guy filled with
1: uncertainty. Yeah, I mean, here's another situation with injury, like Austin Hayes. You just, it's hard to count on them. And I feel like, and he said it was just kind of soreness. He was never any real pain, so he could have played through it. I think they were just being extra cautious, which, you know, you don't blame him, especially with his history. And Austin Hayes, too, like, it's always something different. It's not like he has a recurring knee injury. Like, it's always kind of random stuff that, that affects him. Here, this is why I'm concerned about this team, Josh, being still being good, and maybe I shouldn't be concerned. Maybe it's a good thing that they're good. But like Hunter Harvey's coming back, Iglesias will come back. Like these guys with injuries start to come back, back soon. Yeah. And even if we trade, let's say we trade Cobb and Malone, well, shoot, they're gonna call up Dean Kramer. Who's, who might be just as good as Alice Cobb or just as good as, as, as Tommy M- M- Malone. And so we might be actually getting better as we start bringing up more of these young players. Uh, and so all of a sudden it, we won't, we're not going to get a ton of worse when we trade players who might stay just as good or get better. And next thing you know, we're going to, you know, finish 500, miss out on the playoffs by game, and not draft <laughs> the number 17. That's, no. that's the problem. That's the my problem worst fear.
0: We cannot, right, we can't miss the playoffs by a game. Um, make the playoffs. At least it's not a one-game play-in, so if you sneak in, you at least get two games. I believe is how it works it's this year. Is
1: best, best out of three? I thought it best out of three. Maybe it's best out of... Yeah, best out of three, right? Yeah. Oh, so yeah, so, at, least so, two so games. at
0: least you get at least two games. Yeah, at
1: least,
0: yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I hear what you're saying, and that's what gives me hope for next year. I know this is a year, weird year where anything can happen, and you see guys that normally struggle in April and May, and they're still struggling now because they didn't get those two months of baseball that didn't really make an impact to build up. But for the Orioles, it's all about these young players and seeing the future, which then grows next year and obviously the year after.
1: Do you think, Josh, we've been talking about 2023 for a while, do you think we might have a a, a ahead of schedule type situation happening here?
0: Uh, you, th- you think a premature uh, champion World Series championship? Uh, i say no, but 2023 has always been our World Series year. We've always said 2021, it gets a little better. Yeah, in 2021, we kind of shoot for
1: 500.
0: Right, 2022, we hit the playoffs. Hit the playoffs. 2023, we win the World Series. Um, I think that it comes a little early because I think... It's looking like 2020 might be the same as 2021, and just one big blur, where they're both around 500 seasons.
1: Well, I tell you what—if we can finish around 500 next year in a full 162-game season, that would be right. huge. Yeah, yeah, totally. And put us right on schedule.
0: Yeah, and put us back—that's what I'm saying. We're on schedule for a 2023 World Series. Yeah,
1: I, I guess my take on it is I think offensively, right now we're better than I thought we'd be. Because we don't have to wait for Rushman or, or Herstad. Like, right now, Santander is one of the best players in baseball. Right now, Ryan Macau looks to be a legit kind of 5, 6, maybe even 4 hitter in your lineup. Um, Hans Alberto has kind of proven he's the real deal. If Iglesias can continue to hit like this next year, um, I didn't realize we'd be having a shortstop who could play defensively and hit. So offensively, we might be a little bit ahead. Um, but And then next year, if you have Rushman coming at the end of next year, which I think we will, like I think offensively, we'll almost be where we need to be for that playoff run. We just got to wait and start pitching. And Grace Rodriguez and DL Hall are still, I think, two years away. So I think that's going to be the holdup. How can we patch together starting pitching uh, rotation? Because I think our bullpen also might be there. As we see Tanner Scott emerge now uh, this year, um, and Hunter Harvey, hopefully. But I think the hold-up is going to be, what do we do with starting pitching while we wait for D.L. Hall and Grayson Rodriguez to progress? And, oh, my goodness, D.L. Hall and Grayson Rodriguez better turn into top-of-the-rotation starters for all this to work.
0: Yeah, I mean, exactly. And that's the thing is, we've been here, we've gone there before. We probably, if we, if Dylan Bundy and Kevin Gosman hit the potential that we all expected them to be in Baltimore, we would have won a World Series.
1: Mm, at least made a, a better run. Yeah, at least got yeah. into a World Series. We wouldn't
0: have had these up and down seasons. Yeah, that's a good point. We would have. That's how important like this starting pitching is, and not that not to say that Kevin Gosman and Dylan Bundy were bad but they weren't what we were promised. They weren't top of the rotation starters. And that's really important in baseball. Our rotation this season is kind of a joke. It's getting it done, but I don't think it would last in 162 games. No,
1: it's it's duct taped on. Yeah. Yeah. And and, so, and Josh, that's a great point because for the, for these rebuilds to work, you need to have your superstars hitters hit at the same time as you have the pitchers hit. And we had Manny Machado turn into a freaking superstar. Jonathan Scope, who we drafted and kind of groomed, turned to be a really a great offensive force. Right, Adam Jones, the same way. We had some of these great um, offensive players, but the young pitchers didn't develop into all-stars the same way that some of the position right. players did. Right. And that was the yeah. problem. Yeah, and that... And we made it work for a year when we, you know, patched together some Tommy Hunter action, some Joe Saunders action. Like, we made it work for a little bit, um, but we never had those kind of dominant starters. Um, the yeah. promise
0: in Baltimore has always been the pitchers are coming, and we've never seen it fully work.
1: Well, part of that, because Andy McPhail had a whole philosophy behind that, where you buy the bats and grow the arms. Right. The problem is... He didn't grow any arms, and so right, it's right. hard to Not win. Not enough with that. fertilizer. Yeah.
0: Um, but I think because of Andy McPhail, that's how us Oriole fans are. At least the older ones. The younger ones confuse me, but the older ones, the younger ones care about the broadcasters more than, <laughs> than the players. Yeah. The older ones were, I think, stuck with that Andy McPhail mentality, that um, to grow the arms, and now we're waiting again to grow the arms, and that's, again, why we get so excited for Keegan Aiken. Yeah. Because he's an arm. Yeah, yeah. It's why we all, as Oriole fans right now, are probably overrating Tanner Scott this season. We're really excited about Tanner Scott. But he hasn't shown that much. But it's a homegrown arm that's doing its job, so we're excited.
1: Yeah, he hasn't done that much, and let's face it, he's a lefty... Back in the back end rotation. Yeah, he's guy. Brian Mattis, to <laughs> <laughs> point out. Yeah, I mean, he's Brian Mattis with a lot better stuff. But, but yeah, but the, but the point is, well, taking that. Um, and I think Tanner Scott hopefully will be more than just a lefty specialist because I don't think you yes. can be a lefty specialist anymore with the new rules. Um, but, like. Right, the three batter minimums. But a, a back end bullpen arm is easier to find than a top of the rotation starter. Well, because a back-end bullpen arm is a rotation
0: starting pitcher that washed up.
1: Right. It's your Zach Britton.
0: It's your Zach Britton. you're Hunter Harvey. Hunter Harvey was supposed to be part of this rotation for us.
1: Yeah, he was. Supposed to be a starter.
0: Yeah. And suddenly they decided he can't be a starter. And now the talk is for him to be a closer. That's how you get your great closers is they suck at starting.
1: Yeah. And by the way, I don't want to pick on Keegan Aiken anymore than I already have. But even the prospect kind of write up says his ceiling, his highest potential is back of the end rotation. So like even if it works out for Keegan Aiken and it goes perfectly, say hello to your fifth starter. He is in no way projected to be, or do we anticipate him being one of your top three starters in the rotation? If he is, we've done something wrong. The rebuild has not worked. If he's your top one of your top three starters.
0: Yes. Yeah, no, you're right. It's a it's something that um
1: Yeah. But unfortunately we'll just to we see. just gotta that's wait. Unfortunately, DL Hall is and is twenty one and Grayson right. Rodriguez is still only twenty years old. Um so we still gotta wait for those guys. All right.
0: So who else do you think we see of the future this year on this team?
1: Yeah, I would like to see Dean Kramer. I mean, I think that's a starter who you can genuinely be excited about that he could be You know, your your number three starter um, in a couple years. He's he's a guy that I don't know. He just he strikes out a ton of batters. Um, He's a little bit older. He's 24, um, but he's the guy I'm excited about. So, yeah.
0: Is he a guy that you think he's just waiting for like the whole the opening for him is that we have to trade Alex Cobb? Yeah, and then he comes up, or another injury. Like, is he next in line for rotation outside with the guys that we have?
1: I think so, and I think based on the manager Hyde comment, like I think that they they might even go to him before, but before they go to Keegan Aiken. So, but you still have Lopez and Eshelman, So maybe they're the next two in line, actually. Uh, But if you trade Malone and Cobb or something, um, then maybe Stephen Kramer. I think what one knock on him—it's not really a knock. But he never got a full year at, at uh, Norfolk last year. So and I know that's big on Elias. Um, but he spent most of the year at, at, at Bowie last year. Um, so maybe but that's then, one of the holdups.
0: And how much of a knock is that going to be against guys going into the next season? Like, is the fact that there's no minor league season this year a knock against Adley Rushman? Or is having this focused development even better than a minor league season?
1: Mm, yeah, it's an interesting point, because I was thinking about this, too, especially when um, Ryan Madcastle was taking so long to get caught up, and everyone was upset about it, and I was upset, too. I think part of the upset, being upset that Ryan McCastle wasn't being caught up, goes back to Allen Iverson, right? Because, well, you're talking about practice? <laughs> you're talking Ryan McCastle can't be here at the Major League Squad helping us win, because he's at practice. I think that right. there's this assumption, like Allen Iverson, I think, had that like, practice is unimportant. That you can only really get better if you're playing in major league games and, or minor league games. But you can't really get better at the buoy side of practice. But Mike Elias, whole thing, right? He was brought in here. His main kind of forte was development of prospects. <laughs> it was practice. It was practice. And, yeah. and so all of a sudden he has this whole side of buoy to develop guys, and they're using technology. They're using all the you know nifty, nifty galifty. They're using wuzzle wuzzle if Bert was <laughs> nifty here. Galifty. Uh, yeah, nifty, nifty galifty. Yeah, nifty Galifty's tools. Um, and and so they're, they're using all this high tech stuff. And like I, I legitimately think that players are getting better there. Um, I it, think Ryan Macastle like was improving there. It's not like this purgatory. I think this is actually a place where players go to get better. But it's a really interesting question, like, will Adley Rushman start out next year at Frederick, like the plan was, or will he just jump him to Bowie as if he had a year at Frederick because he had all this time at Bowie? It's a a good question.
0: I I think you could even maybe this focused attention could get, because he's a college player, could jump him straight into big league camp and a chance at the roster next year because this focused – it's, it's got to be better development than the minor leagues. It's less players than the minor leagues, but it's super focused development where it's not getting you ready to go play a player. It's working on every day, working on what your issues are. It's focused completely on you, not no travel. You're in one place. It's like spring training, but like really super focused year-round spring training, not year-round, but whatever. It's, a, it's, it's more spring training.
1: Yeah, and you're, and you're playing against, because um, if you're Adley Rushman, you're playing against Dean Kramer, you're hitting against D.L. Hall, you're hitting against Michael Bauman, like you're hitting against our, some of our, ba- our best pitching prospects who would be at AAA this year. So th- it's almost like he's getting AAA pitching against some of our best AAA well, pitchers. Um, except take it one we- step further.
0: You're, you're going up against guys who know you and face you every day. And you're going up against pitchers that know you and are facing you every day. So back and forth, these guys are can't, be, can't sneak in there and can't get a hit because they're this pitcher. Now, I guess the vice versa could be uh, he's really good at hitting Kramer, but he can't hit anyone else. Like he can read Kramer's tells or something uh, because he's catching for him too. But there's something too about You're facing the same people every day. You can't fake it. If you can't hit the low and outside fastball, that's what they're going to throw to you every time. Because whether it's on a scorecard or anything, and I guess now, thanks to computers and the little note cards everyone holds in their pockets, everyone knows that stuff. But it's also different when you're facing the same pitcher every day. It's why the Yankees and Orioles always I mean the Yankees have beaten us 19 straight games. It's why interdivision games are always tough battles because you're facing them those teams so much.
1: Yeah, and so I mean that's a name to watch Dean Kramer and another guy who is has some kind of connection to Dean Kramer and that's in the outfield, Yusmeiro Diaz. Is I know we've seen him a little bit and he's an ex- exciting player, exciting prospect. Um, I think when we traded for him from the Dodgers, where we also got Dean Kramer from the Dodgers in the Manny Machado trade, yeah, um, I think he was like a top 100 prospect, like maybe in the, in the low one, uh, either low 90s or something. So right in the cusp of a top 100 prospect. And so using ideas is another guy that I would love to see. Um, but we'll have to kind of wait and see with that And one. that's a guy where
0: I'd like to see him, yeah. I'd like to see him this year because I don't know... He came over with a whole lot of hype, and then he struggled at the minors.
1: Yeah, and some injury stuff, too.
0: Yeah, yeah and injuries. And, again, that's what sucks about this uh, buoy site is that there's no fans there. There's no media there. There's no games broadcast there. there you just you don't know what's going on there, yeah. which is great for development, not great for fans.
1: Yeah, and I hope it's great for development. Like I hope Yuzna Diaz you know, is able to take kind of the next steps he would have taken, hopefully at AAA, a right. um, there. And, and if not this I think, year, I think we'll be fighting for a roster spot in spring training next year.
0: I think at least losing the distractions of fans and media has to help development instead. Yeah. Don't know how much, but it doesn't hurt.
1: Yeah. And we'll see it. Like, I think a lot of this will depend on injuries and trades, um, but it seems like a lot of trades might come from the pitching realm if they're able to trade Malone or Givens or Cobb. There's not a whole lot of position players who are here seriously talked about being traded. I mean, you hear maybe Alberto's name mentioned, but I I don't know. I'm a little skeptical about position players being traded. Um, ironically, our pitching is our pitchings are weakness, but ironically, I think some of the trades might come from the pitching department. And so um, it might be the opportunity um, for young... I mean, I think now at, at, at the Bowie site, there's no... I don't think we have any real veteran pitchers down there left. So if we're going to get more pitchers, especially starters, it's going to be either waiver claims or, or the, the, these young guys. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um, but again, it's so you're thinking positive about this season still. Yeah, like but almost in
1: a negative it's way because I think we're going to be too good for our own good. But not good enough to make the playoffs. Yeah, but I don't, think, I don't know if we'll be good enough to overtake Toronto. I mean, it's going yeah. to come down to Toronto. I was looking at the schedule, the last series of the season's against Toronto. I wonder if it's going to come down to that three-game series.
0: Has Has Toronto? I haven't been paying attention to Toronto. Have they started playing games in Buffalo yet? I believe I so. Yes. We, play, we play them in Buffalo later this week.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think they, I think they started. Okay. I mean, they're, I, right. they're I playing the Red Sox now. I don't know if that's home or away.
0: Right. I should uh, I should turn it on and see what Buffalo looks like, but uh, because the Oriole game. The Orioles are playing Tampa, so once again, I cannot watch it because it, it, Tampa is two <laughs> and a half to three hours away from me, and I am in the blackout zone. I know there's some Oriole fans that, that deal with that because they live in whatever, Norfolk or um, I guess North Carolina. I guess the Outer Banks I know has Masson. I don't know if that's in the blackout zone for MLB TV. Yeah,
1: it's, it's, but, um, it's dumb if you live in Maryland, even dumber if you live outside of Maryland and can't watch it.
0: It's dumb, yeah, it's dumb no matter what. So, um, but it is, I'm interested to see how games look in Buffalo playing in a minor league stadium.
1: Yeah.
0: And like, for a team like the Orioles, I don't think that matters because we don't have anyone on this team that's like used to being in the majors, that's used to being like not. Dealing with the minor league stuff.
1: Well, yeah, and everything about this year is different too. So it's like, just right. here's another different thing about this year. Right,
0: right, right. And it's like, and yeah, of course. And players are already sitting like in the stands, yeah, to uh, to watch the game. So
1: yeah. So tra- the the trade deadline, Josh, is is Monday, right? We're just uh, yeah. five days away. Um, what's your over under for amount of players traded? Do you think, if you were a betting man? What would you set the over-under at? One. One.
0: Uh, for the Orioles to trade? No. Not overall, but you mean for the, yeah, I would say the Orioles. You
1: think the Orioles will trade one player?
0: I think they'll trade one player.
1: Michael Givens? I think.
0: I think they're going to trade, um, it's either Givens or Cobb. I think they're going to trade Givens. Givens has just been so good this year. Yeah. So I, um, I would give, put my money on Givens. And, and I haven't looked at the needs that are out there. Like, if there's a team that needs a starting pitcher, Alex Cobb is fine. Like, you could put him in as the number three guy. I wouldn't. If you're a team in contention, you probably don't need a number one or a number two. But when I look at teams like, well, the Nats, I think, are kind of just done. They're not even trying. Um. But I don't think it'll be – it's not like we're going to see huge trades. It's all going to be small trades.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is something we've wondered about since, you know, the first week of the season. What will the trade deadline look like? Um, any big names moving? How much do teams want to win in this 60-game season? What will expand in playoffs due to all these trades? I mean, you, you could say the Nats are out of it. But you could also say that, that NL East is so bad um, – that, um, I mean, they're only five games out of first place, and Miami's in second place, and you don't think Miami's going to stay in second place. Right. And yeah, everyone no. else in that division's under 500, so I don't think they're really out of it. Um, and it's two teams
0: from every division, right? So, yeah. Isn't it? Two teams from every division make the playoffs.
1: Yeah, and so you can make the playoffs this year with a record under 500. Like, I think that's going to happen. You're going to have a team under 500 who make the playoffs. Um, so, but you're right, Cobb or Malone, the two starting pitchers, they're not going to be the guy you're going to open the playoffs with. They probably won't even pitch in a three-game playoff series, um, but they, they might help you get into the playoffs. Um, but no, I, I I think the Orioles going to trade four. I, I would guess four guys. Four. Yeah. So
0: you're giving. You're saying really in such a weird year.
1: Yeah, I think Elias wants to get these young players in. He wants to get these veterans out. So he's going to be working really hard to trade these guys. I think, I think Malone's gone. I think uh, Cobb's gone. I think Givens is gone. And I think one hitter's gone, whether it's Alberto or Severino or Nunez. I think he's going to move one hitter and those um, three pitchers. And maybe he'll find a way like, to pawn paw Armstrong off of somebody, too. Like, it could be five, but I just think, I think four. See, and you're missing,
0: you're missing my number three guy. I think Tanner Scott is a trade candidate as well.
1: I would be really surprised. Um, and I
0: think, uh yeah, well, LeBlanc, LeBlanc got hurt, so that struggles. But I mean, maybe Inglacia, that could be your hitter.
1: Yeah. So. I don't know. Come off no, the I, know. I don't know if anybody wants him. All right, and I, I think the Orioles
0: wants Inglacias for next year because they don't have a shortstop. I really like him. I yeah. really like Inglacia. Well, we have Richie Martin.
1: Yeah, exactly. So we don't have a shortstop. And so I, I, that, that's why I think uh, I think they want him for next year. So I would be really surprised actually if Iglesias is traded. But I think they would like to trade Alberto or Severino or Nunez. I think they would like to trade those guys if a team offers them anything. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, I'm mean, gonna be really interesting to see both for the Orioles oh and God. other teams how much they they uh, they they trade here at yeah. the deadline.
0: Let me just double check that the trade deadline is Monday because they keep they keep flexing these rules for, for the season this year.
1: Yeah, I mean, today marks the halfway point of the season with 30 games through. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I mean, I, I think the deadline's always an exciting time for Oriole fans because it seems like we're moving one way or the other constantly, either trying to trade for prospects or trying to get rid of guys.
0: All right, yeah, so it's still the 31st of August. Yeah. So it's Monday.
1: Yeah, and listen, we're not going to get a top 100 prospect back for any of these guys. Um, no. But if we can get guys who fit into our top 30, or if we can do like the um, cash to trade and get a couple, you know, really really young players who we can take the time to 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 develop, why not? Because Cobb, Malone, probably Givens are not going to be part of our future. And so if you can get anything for them, go for it. And and what what not Malone, but what Cobb and Givens also have and any of the position players, is they have more than just this year. So you're not just giving Cobb for, you know, a week. You're getting them for all next year. And, and, by the way, Elias said he's willing to spend money, give the team money, it's like pay down Cobb's contract to make the move, which I think also shows he's a motivated seller because yeah. he's willing to take on some of the money to, 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 to sell ask Cobb. Um, and if you trade for Gibbons, you get Gibbons, yeah, for this the rest of the season. But you also get them all next year. So if you had a bad bullpen, that's maybe one less free agent sign that you have to make. So yeah, I think I think Gibbons is gone. I think Cobb's gone. I think Malone's gone, and I think another position player will be gone as well.
0: Yeah, um, yeah, I, I can buy that. I mean, that's all good. If the Orioles can trade five people in this weird season, that's a huge success for Michael Elias.
1: Yeah, and it'll make. It'd be a success for the Orioles because it'll make the second half season even more exciting. Because we'll see Ryan McHouse, and then we'll also probably see a Michael Bowman or Dean Kramer or Diaz. We'll see some younger or, or players. We'll,
0: or we'll bring back Dwight Smith Jr. and David Hess. Is he still in the organization? Oh no, yeah, I think,
1: I, yeah. I don't know if, if what happened to Dwight Smith. He was DFA'd. I don't know what that means, but right. if I, he's that. cleared waivers, I don't know if he's cleared waivers yet or whatever. But but yeah, we'll probably see David Hess. That's right. We won't see. Kramer, Michael Bauman, we'll see David Huss, whatever. Then, then well, then we'll lose and we'll get a better draft pick. So win-win.
0: Yeah, we will find out. So. Hey, uh, I forgot to mention, and I wanted to mention at the top of the show, our 3-3-6-er of the week, who is Taylor Sink, because Taylor Sink also is supporting us. Over at three three six er with the where you can go over there and donate three dollars and thirty six cents to us a month to help this show going, so that we can uh, stop talking about um, shaving body parts. That's right. And uh, we can't we can stop thanking our balls or whatever the manscape ad was. Yeah. We'd much rather go this route and be listener supported like NPR, but we won't mail you a tote bag. We won't. Well, maybe if you do a little more than $3, $3.36. Yeah.
1: So. Yeah, I know. If we, if we were in person, in ga- if we had on games, you could find us for a magnet at the stadium. But can't you yeah, do that anymore? Yeah.
0: No. And, and as I saw the uh, postmaster general talking uh, last week, apparently it's pretty expensive to mail stuff right now. Oh, is it? Well, I don't know. He said a stamp was 55 cents and I, didn't, I thought that was ridiculous. I thought stamps were like 19 cents. Apparently it's been a while since I mailed anything. Is it
1: still 55 cents if you have Prime? I don't know how that works. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> I think Amazon has to buy the United States Post Office in order for us to get free mail. That's how it works. Yeah. But anyway, support us on 336er.com. We should have that just... We should have the option of do you wanna round this up and give them even more money? Have you noticed that every time, you don't go out anywhere. No, I don't go out. Every time I go to the grocery store or a fast food place or anything, they're all saying, do you wanna round up to charity? And I think it's a total, I don't know how it works, but my theory is that it's complete crap because now they collect all this extra money, give it to the charity, and then that company gets a big write-off because I don't get a tax receipt for the extra 6 cents that I donated. By mm. rounding my my uh number one up to 5 bucks or whatever.
1: Yeah, well because they used to just have at McDonald's the little thing in the front where you put your change. Yeah. But now no one uses actual cash anymore. See so Ronald McDonald's house has no way to get your change. Yeah, but whoever whoever's in charge of this has gone to everyone.
0: It's at Ace Hardware, it's at McDonald's, it's at Publix, it's at Zaxby's, it's everywhere I go They ask me if I want to round up
1: I've never heard of that before
0: Oh, it's ridiculous Maybe it's a southern thing But it's ridiculous yeah. It's very frustrating Yeah, that is weird So, we let you keep your change You can just you can. I think you can do more But if you want D- just Do you do ever ask him Hey, can, can,
1: can I go ahead and round down? Do you ever ask him right, Exactly can, can I round right. down? Is it like, like, and, like and Take I get a the penny, and leave a penny? Yeah <laughs> Yeah So Alright, let's get All out right. of here Sounds good. Music's been playing. All right. Check us out on uh, Twitter and Facebook. Leave us a review on iTunes. You can follow me on Twitter at Section336, where I'll break down my thoughts, not on broadcasters, but I'll break down my thoughts on the latest trade deadline news with the Orioles. And you can also find Josh, Josh tweeting up uh, about Chris Davis. You can follow him on Twitter. At
0: Josh Soroka.
1: Thanks for listening, boys and girls. And as always, go... Birdland Sports for fans by fans. Find more great shows like this at BirdlandSports.com.
0: Hey guys, have you checked out 336 Daily? Did you know that sometimes, in fact, pretty often, I've been recording it in my car while driving to different job sites? That's how easy Anchor is to make podcasts. With Anchor, you can record your podcast and edit your podcast and upload your podcast all in the Anchor app. And then it makes sure it goes out to iTunes and Spotify and wherever you need to put it. It, They take care of everything distribution. They help you with advertising and getting in commercials. Check out the Anchor app. Go to the app store and download the Anchor app for free or go to anchor.fm to check it out.